Ah, you obviously know Kung Fu. Greetings, this is Michael Matsuda, president and founder of the Martial Arts History Museum, and I'm coming to you from Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. My very special guest tonight is martial artist, author, producer, president, and founder of the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank, California, Michael Matsuda. Michael, thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening to talk with me on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you for allowing me to be here. No, it's great to have you. Uh, I was just talking with uh, my brother who lives out there in California, and I had mentioned that the uh, Martial Arts History Museum is out there. And the next time that I get out there, I want to go visit it. Uh, I've followed along with your exploits online and uh, the place looks really cool and you have a big event coming up which we'll talk about later but uh, as soon as I can get out there I want to pay you guys a visit. Ah, sounds good. I know you'll enjoy it. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Before we get started, can we get an introduction to who you are? You've got an extensive background in martial arts uh, from student to grandmaster. Can you talk a little bit about your martial arts journey? (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't like to talk about me that much but that's okay. I understand. Um, Yes, I started in the uh, early 60s. Uh, I started in the martial art judo, Japanese art of judo. Uh, we ha- were very involved in the Japanese community center uh, near my uh, home. And uh, my father, who had learned judo when he was young, uh, forced me and my brother to uh, go take judo classes at the community center. <laughs> I-, I like how it was forced. <laughs> yeah, you know, they gave us the impression it was going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> So we got there. My brother started before me and then I started. And, you know, I was very lucky on one hand because back then they didn't allow kids in the martial arts. You know, it was only 16 and over. But I was a little kid, like seven or eight years old. And uh, they were two of us, uh, me and Don Lisa, two little kids. And uh, they tortured us. (laughs) I mean, you know, these guys were all 18 years old and they just... Flipped us, and before we even hit the ground, they flipped us again and continuously. So that was my first introduction to martial arts, uh, judo. I took that for a year. And then, lo and behold, a bully uh, named, I won't name him, Mike Campbell, uh, came (laughs) and uh, jumped on my back, and I did a judo flip and threw him on the ground. And that was it. He was shocked to death. I was never picked on again. Everybody was clapping uh, because I, you know, I'm the little scrawny kid who beat the bully. (laughs) And uh, I said, this is pretty good. It worked. And then uh, after I did judo, I I saw, now this is kind of the same time, so a few things overlap. Um, My aunt was taking care of uh, a lot of uh, people from the college at, uh, uh, you know, housing them rooms. And I was introduced to one of the people, and he had studied Kung Fu. And uh, so I'd go to his room, and he'd show me Kung Fu. And I was like nine years old. And he would show me Kung Fu. So I learned a little bit of Kung Fu, and I thought it was really cool. And that was a lot of fun. But then he was gone, so I didn't learn much after that. And then uh, later I went into Jiu-Jitsu, and then I took Japanese karate. Uh, I think it was um, Ishin Ryo. And then a guy came into the school. This is actually a jiu-jitsu school. And he had an all-black outfit. 
on. And his, he, was, he had a high collar and his name was Al Dacascos. Oh, and wow. And he was moving his hands around and looking all really neat. You know, this is like 1969, maybe 1970. Uh, I think 69. And he was moving around. And I said, this guy is really cool. I love the way he moves. I love his black outfit. I am sold. Whatever art he's doing, that's what I'm going to learn. And it was Kung Fu. So it took a while to find a Kung Fu school. I finally did find a Kung Fu school. It was under Buxom Kongs, a Hungar. And so I started learning at the YMCA. And then I got transferred to the main school in Hollywood. And I trained with Buxom Kong, with Vernon Rayetta, later Buxom Kong, kind of took it over. And I did that for about 10 years, maybe total of about 15 years total. And my third year, a, a young guy came in, a young guy, he's a little older than me, uh, named Polly Zink. And uh, he was uh, came in and uh, we became close friends. We were all college at this time. Uh, I, was, I was still in high school. He was in college. And uh, he started, I said, uh, we became good friends. And I said, uh, well, you're in the beginner class. I'm in the advanced class. Let me come over to your house and uh, we'll work out together so I can teach you and bring you up to my advanced class with me. You know, that way we can hang out together. Because I used to attend both the beginning, intermediate, and advanced because I wanted to work out. So I'd attend all three classes uh, almost every day. And that was a lot of fun. So I'd go to his house after class and I'd train him in Hungar and we'd work out together. And then one day he bumped into this guy and he said, hey, this guy from Hong Kong's been teaching me this art. I don't know what this called, but uh, you want to learn it? And I said, sure. So we started doing it, and it was called Taishing Pekwar, uh, Monkey Kung Fu. But we didn't know it at the time because it didn't look like it, you know, when you start. Right. So, so we're doing the art together, and then every time he's learning from this guy, he would come over and show me. We would do Hungar, and then we do monkey forms. But again, it didn't look like monkey forms at the beginning. It's Pekwar forms. So that's how it went. He started learning, and then I started learning, and then lo and behold, it was monkey. <laughs> so... You know, uh, 35 years with Polly Zink uh, doing monkey kung fu. And uh, and in, in between, you know, I dabbled into kickboxing with Cecil Peoples and uh, Wing Chung with one of uh, Danny Rosanto's students, actually Ji Kun Do. And I did a little bit of that in between. But it was the kung fu that was uh, most of all. I still continue with the hungar and the monkey. And uh, it's been 50 years now, 50 years since I started and uh, continuously uh, doing martial arts and uh, Kung Fu is my main art. Love it to death. That's incredible. And you're still active in it. Yeah, I still teach. I still teach. You know, finally my students have completed all their training. Uh, they learn everything there is to do about monkey. There's nothing more I can teach them. So uh, they have literally, it's in their hands now. Uh, I just trained to work out on my own. And uh, just, this is only a few months ago. And uh, my students are now on their own. And uh, and that's it, me. I'm left with my style. Uh, I'm going to go back to being a student and go to work out with Buxom Kong's group. He's still alive. And uh, just because I miss it, you know, I really miss it. So I'm going to start working out with them again. Uh, back awesome. to my back to my roots of Kung Fu. Very that's inspirational. My, that's my story. <laughs> no, that's that's very inspirational. Um, I, I I'm 46 years old, so I'm not I'm not young by any stretch. Uh, and I just started uh, training in martial arts, be, partly because of the show and the people that I talked to, all inspired me to, you know, take it a little bit further and see what I could do. So I, I I've just started. I have made it to an orange belt, which for me is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> so, um, I, I doubt I will ever get to be a grandmaster, which is what you are right now. Yes, in uh, monkey kung fu. Yes, uh huh. What exactly does that mean, a grandmaster of monkey kung fu? 
Well, you know, uh, monkey kung fu is a very hard art. It started only 100 years ago, and it's been passed down to one generation to the next. Uh, and the generation, the line is so small. You know, there's like six people uh, in the entire line. Wow. And, and, you know, the reason why it's not designed that way, it, it, it's very difficult to learn. You know, it's like you're, it's all advanced level. And you have to be down very low, you know, all the time. And people don't like that. They don't like being down low. So we lose students so quickly. Nobody stays with it. And that's the only reason it's only been passed down from one to the next, because we're crazy enough to stay with it. And, uh, you know, the guys, we, I know, you know, all the names of the guys before me and uh, my instructor. And I'm the only one that carried, you know, learned the entire art. From my instructor, he learned the entire art from his instructor. So I'm the sixth generation of the art form, you know, wow. period. There's, you know, what, six of us in line. That's about it. That's uh, incredible you know. that it's only 100 years old. Yeah, it is. It's only 100 years old. Uh, it's There's many different monkey styles, but this is the most uh, powerful one, the most effective one about, out of all, the whole bunch. And uh, it's just been fast down to family line and friend line and Whoever endures with it line, shall we say, <laughs> and that's I endured it. So 35 years of training, wow. you know, so I've accomplished everything. And that's why I pass it down to to my students as well. Wow. Because Monkey Kung Fu uh, for me was one of those styles as a fan of Kung Fu films. It was one of those styles that I uh, used to aspire to want to learn just because it looked so amazing on screen. Now, what was it about that style that kept you in it for so long? Uh, because uh, my Polly and I were best friends. That's what that's what kept me in it. <laughs> that's completely it. Um, you know, <laughs> I love the Hungar more. Okay. I enjoy that. It was a big camaraderie. We had a lot of people there. We all work out together. It was a lot of fun. Uh, monkey is very difficult to learn, and the student rate is dropout rate is a hundred percent. Wow. People leave so quickly. You know, most students last a couple months. Uh, very rare. We've had a couple of students that lasted, you know, several years, but they don't do it anymore. You know, and uh, they didn't even learn that much. They learned maybe one or two forms. You know, nothing real critical because uh, Polly taught very traditional, so it took you a while to learn anything. And uh, you know, it's just that. Most of the time, it was me and my instructor training for years and years and years, just me and him. That's it. <laughs> and the students would come and go and come and go and come and go, and they all left, all of them, you know. And uh, that's and I hung on because uh, he was my friend. You know, we were best friends. We hung out together. We did everything together. We went to all the kung fu movies together. Uh, we had a lot of fun together. And uh, I just did it because we were close friends. That's why I hung on to it. But uh, even though I've done everything and mastered the entire system, and uh, I still, Hungar is still my favorite, no matter what. Uh, the camaraderie is a lot of fun, and um, it's not as difficult to do. <laughs> you know, the monkey comfort forms, they're nice, but they're low to the ground, and they take about five minutes each to do, and very demanding on the body you know, really demanding. That's why people leave it. Hungar isn't that demanding. Is it particularly hard on your knees because you're so low? Is that why? 
No, it's just hard on the body. Okay. You know, people have the, the the impression that monkey kung fu is, is hard on the knees. It's not. Not at all. Um, the trick is you have to learn how to stretch your ankle. That's ah, the key. Okay. If you stretch your ankle, your knee's just going to fall down with it. That's it. It doesn't bend the knee. It doesn't stretch the knee. You know what I mean? There's no pressure on the knee. Right. It's all on the ankle. But if you don't learn that, you're going to have knee problems all the time. <laughs> everybody did because right. they didn't stay long enough sure. to learn how to bend their ankle. And I did. You know, I could still do it right now. But um, you learn how to bend your ankle, but the form is very low, very demanding. And it's, it's, it's just very powerful. And it's just not as fun to do as the hungar ones right. they're a lot okay. more you know uh movement is a lot more flowing monkey is lower more powerful and uh, even the hungar is as well hungar is more enjoyable to do than a monkey form mm. you know what i mean not that I, I loved what i'm doing a monkey I, I mastered it and i can do all the forms and i pass it on to my students and do it they can do it all as forms but it's very demanding to do you know like i could do a hungar form you know 20 times in a row monkey form you can do it maybe three times period you're out of breath you're out of <laughs> stamina you know even though you're in great shape it's still demanding on the legs wow you know it really is so you three forms and you're dead you know <laughs> sounds like a good challenge yeah it is a challenge it'd be you know it'd be great for the ufc fighters because it builds your low bot lower body mm. so you can do your you know, forward kicks now from a very low stance and be just as powerful as standing. It would be great for MMA fighters. So, <laughs> Now, how have you found the portrayal of monkey kung fu in, say, martial arts movies uh, to date? Is it close? Is it realistic? Or are, are they stretching it to movie fighting? Oh, most of the time it's all stretched. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's only two movies that really uh, were close. It was called, uh, uh, I think it's called Iron Monkey. Uh, it was with Chan Sao Chung, the actual grandmaster of the art. Oh, wow. And, okay. and uh, sadly, the movie flopped, so nobody saw it. <laughs> and then Chen Quan Tai yep. is also a student of it. But he does it very simple-like, you know what I mean? He does it, he does it more Hollywoodish. Oh, okay. Than, because the real one doesn't look that fancy, you know what I mean? Okay. So you've you got to make it look more Hollywoodish. To, to make it look good on screen. When I did it in uh, Extreme Fighter, I did Monkey Kung Fu, but they had they told me what to do, you know? <laughs> and I added, no, we do it this way. Okay, you can change it, but all their moves were basically theirs. And it, it was just a Hollywood issue. You had to kind of Hollywood up. And so the, most of the, the times you see it in the movies, it's all more Hollywood. Right. You don't see the real Monkey Kung Fu, <laughs> you know? It would look kind of boring, so. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's just a, a fist down and you turn and kick them in the head. And that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just very powerful, quick moves. You know, boom, 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 and you're done. And monkey, that's, you know, three or four moves and you're done. I remember uh, in my youth, one very particularly bad example of monkey kung fu. It was a TV show called Manimal. Uh, I don't know if you remember that show. I do. Okay. Well, the, the, the star of the show... Um, needed to learn monkey kung fu in a hurry so he literally watched a a nature show that featured a monkey doing his thing and he just kind of emulated him for about an hour i would say and then all of a sudden he had he had monkey kung fu down pat so <laughs> there you go <laughs> so for a little while i thought that was how you did it but i guess not no that's actually how it started oh really 
uh, one of the guys, uh, he was in prison, and he was, uh, he was a master of detente, Grand Earth style. And he watched monkeys outside of his prison cell, and he added those movements into detente. And that's how Monkey was born. Very cool. Very cool. Now, you produced a documentary, too, uh, called The Martial Arts Influence in America. Yes, uh, that was one of my earliest ones. When I was growing up in the 70s, everybody was kung fu fighting. It was, you know, it was a worldwide phenomenon at the time. How has that influence changed over the years, do you think? Well, you know, uh, movies have really been our mainstay for the martial arts. Uh, without the movies, uh, martial arts would still be in community centers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies have really opened the doors for the martial arts since the, you know, silent films of Anime Wong to uh, James Cagney to, um, you know, uh, Billy Jack and all that. And because of martial arts in the movies, uh, you know, the Kung Fu movie boom was born, you know, right. in the 70s, all the the movies of Shaw Brothers and mm-hmm. the Golden Harvest. And they're the ones that really got it out there, you know, and martial arts schools were going over. So, you know, I think it's been a great ride, especially uh, for martial arts, especially for Kung Fu. You know, uh, it was the Kung Fu movies that really set the stage in the 70s. Yeah. You know, even though it was Billy Jackie did, you know, uh, Hapkido, Yep. It was uh, it was the kung fu movies that started coming over the Five Fingers of Death, the Flying Guillotine, you know, all <laughs> these great movies, and they were all doing kung fu. You know, they weren't doing karate; they were doing kung fu. But you know, martial arts schools teaching karate, kung fu, aikido, we went wild. They went all over the place because of the kung fu movies. So uh, because of that, uh, you know, everybody started learning and enjoying it, and I think it has continued to evolve in different ways. Uh, Kung Fu is very popular back then. Now it's not so popular, but, you know, it's still out there. Uh, But, you know, uh, Taekwondo had its time in the limelight. And then uh, kickboxing had its time in the limelight. And then now uh, MMA has its time, you know, UFC, their time right now. So it's gone through a lot of transitions. And the movies are the ones that continue to help open the doors to samurai fighting, to you know, all this stuff, the Kill Bill, you know, <laughs> every time there's a martial arts school movie on, martial arts schools do well. So it has <laughs> continued to evolve. And, and I'm very happy of the involvement, you know, the evolvement of it, of uh, how it continues to progress. It's all going to come around, you know, one style of this and, you know, everybody will like this and all of a sudden they'll like that more. And it just continues to change over the years. And I've happily been able to see almost all of the changes uh, since it started. Now, in general, do you find these changes positive for the way that martial arts is represented? You know, it, I think it's always positive, uh, even though, you know, uh, pe- some people hate MMA. And I understand it. You know, it's a lot of brawling. A lot of guys don't even know martial arts and they get in there and all they know is uh, street fighting. But it has brought awareness to the martial arts. Uh, people will start doing a little MMA and they said, hey, what's that other style? And they start learning about other styles as well and switch over to Kempo or whatever. And so it's kind of opened a door for opportunity to bring a more awareness to the martial arts uh, even though everybody may not agree with a UFC or MMA and all that stuff it's still open doors of opportunity for Randy Couture became a star Chuck Liddell became a movie star and Ronda Rousey you know becoming a, all these in movies so these guys have gotten opportunities where there wasn't opportunities before so in, in a way it's all been good you know what I mean even the bad has been good. You know, the judo chop 
<laughs> which, is, which is, you know, created by Bruce Tegner, which is no such thing. But still, because of the judo chop, people wanted to learn martial arts. So right. it's all good. You know, it's all good. It all The cartoons today, Kung Fu Panda, it's all good. You know, they all have some element of real Kung Fu in there as you see Kung Fu Panda or Avatar. And it, it kind of throws out that little uh, uh, feeling of martial arts, little dabbling on it. And I, oh, I want to learn some of that. And I'm a little interested in that. And, oh, what's that? Kung Fu? I want to learn a little bit. So yeah. I think it's all good. That's cool. Do you have any examples uh, that you would point to as something that is a really good representation right now and maybe one that maybe isn't the best representation? You know, I, I think uh, the animation has been one of our uh, great representation of the martial arts, uh, especially Avatar The Last Airbender, mm. uh, the, the uh, cartoon series, not the movie. Yeah. The cartoon series <laughs> is a wonderful uh, a way of uh, showing martial arts. It's all kung fu. You know, I know the guys that do it, Sifu Kisu and Emmanuel uh, Rodriguez, that do Toft, and he does all the movements for Aang, and this is all Hungar, and it's all Earth style, and all the Kung Fu is, is involved in, in Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's made a career for them, and it's opened the doors for kids, and it's pretty good. You know, it's pretty accurate. The movements are accurate. These are all grounded movements, and I said, I know that form. I know that move. <laughs> you know, it's like when I used to go to the old Kung Fu movies uh, when they came out in the 70s and they would be doing a, a Hungar form and they said, oh, that's my form. Exactly. You know, so it's the same thing. Avatar has been a, a great uh, uh, way to people to really, you know, connect with martial arts today. And then Kung Fu Panda, you know, carries it on a little bit. Uh, but uh, more so Avatar The Last Airbender has been uh, one of the nice breakthroughs for martial arts and animation. Oh, that's great. We love that show here at my house. I have three daughters, and uh, they're they're big fans of Aang. Oh, yeah. You know, at uh, our Dragon Fest convention, which we'll talk about later, we have uh, the guy who did all Aang's movements, Sifu oh, nice. Kisu, is there, and Manuel Rodriguez, who does Toft, is there, and we had a big celebration for him here at the museum. So... Uh, yeah, I like that show. They contacted me before they even started the show and asked my opinion and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was very positive about it back then. I'm glad they did very well. Yeah, 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 definitely. So let's get into that then. What wound up being the driving force for starting a martial arts history museum? Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you know, this has been an interesting journey. I've talked a lot about it at, at quite late, so I won't keep it long. Uh, you know, what, what started it, you know, when I was taking uh, uh, martial arts and stuff, uh, you know, in I was doing Kung Fu, and uh, one of the guys from the magazines came over. I was uh, Karate Illustrated, and he was doing some shots of our school and taking pictures of the students, and they were all, you know, they knew, I didn't know he was there, but the other students knew he was there, the photographer and stuff, and so they were rushed to get to the front. And so I said, okay, you know, whatever. So me and Polly and we're in the back uh, doing the forms. And who do they put in the magazine? Us in the back, which is kind of <laughs> cool. So I said, you know, this is kind of cool, the, the magazine. So I went to school and I got a journalism degree. And after I got a degree, um, I had I started writing for the magazines. I started with Inside Kung Fu. And uh, this was uh, about uh, not too long after Bruce Lee died. 
And, uh, you know, I collected the magazines all along. I enjoyed it. And uh, I started writing for it. Uh, and then I, after I wrote for Inside Kung Fu for a while, I started writing for Black Bout at the same time and Karate Illustrated and other magazines. And so I became a, a regular contributing editor to both Black Bout and Inside Kung Fu for 20 years. And during that time, I said, you know, I've got a, a degree in journalism and I already know how to design. I went to school for design, magazine design and stuff like that and uh, business marketing. And I said, you know, I'm going to start my own magazine because I don't like the way the magazines are going. Inside Kung Fu used to hire Kung Fu artists as their editors, people who knew martial arts. Uh, Black Bow didn't hire anybody that knew martial arts. In the very beginning, they did. You know, Mido Yurihara was a judo guy who started Black Bow. But uh, after a while, they got uh, non-martial artists, you know, any guy who wants to write. And, and as I was writing articles... You know, these guys were just uh, trashing uh, these martial artists. They were saying, you know, that guy, this style doesn't work. I'm going to interview him because this is just a job for me. And uh, I'm going to move on to something else when I get something better. And all these guys who are writing uh, are editors. These are editors for Black Bout and then Inside Kung Fu. And they were just trashing our guys saying, oh, this guy does nothing. And th these are legends, our pioneers, you know, Fumio Dimura and all these guys. And I said, you know, what are you guys doing trashing them? They couldn't care less. So that's what I did. I'm going to go on my own. I started my own uh, magazine. It was called Martial Art Magazine. And I'm going to talk about the history of martial arts and, you know, and from a martial artist point of view. And that's what I did. I did that for four years. And I was getting more ads for tournament ads. And I was trying, it was steering me away from the history, which I wanted to do. And someone came up to me four years later and said, I'd like to buy your magazine. Before he said the word, buy your magazine came out, I already said sold. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sold the magazine and I said, okay, I want to do something to keep our history alive. You know, I, there's got to be something better than the magazine. So I started writing books and I said, you know, after books get, you know, uh, unpublished and stuff, nobody's going to remember books and nobody's ever going to buy this. So what would be better? You know, what would keep be lasting to keep the martial arts history alive? Nobody was doing it. And I said, you know, a museum, a museum would be great to keep our history alive. Now, I heard of one guy did a Bruce Lee museum out of a storefront in Chinatown. He did that for about a year and it failed very quickly. And uh, I said, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want it to fail. So I went back to school for another eight years, went back to college to learn how to do a museum. I learned how to do, I already had a design degree. So I learned more about museum design. I learned more about business and marketing. I got a marketing degree and I went to uh, every museum and every museum president was more than happy to work with me, Natural History Museum, all these people. And uh, so I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a museum. And I started doing everything I needed to do. And once I felt I had enough information, I went forward with the museum. I started online first as uh, internet because in and internet was very new back then. And I started online. And as soon as I started online, I took the museum on the road. I brought, you know, I borrowed everybody's lion heads, weapons, you name it. I 
borrowed because I knew everybody for 50 years, you know, well, back then it was like 40 years, but I knew everybody, you know, I knew Doug Wong, I knew Fumio Demura, I knew everybody when they first came to America. You know, I was eight, nine years old, but when I got a little older, I remember meeting Fumio Demura at the Japanese deer park. I'm meeting Bong Su Han. I got to meet everybody along the way in the early 70s and 80s. So I got to know them. And then when I did the articles on them, you know, I got to know me more. So they all lend me their stuff. So I took that stuff on the road with me as an exhibit. Uh, we traveled for four years, you know, about twice a month to different places all over the state of uh, the nation uh, as an exhibit for the museum. Here's the history of the line here, the history of this. And then once I felt people were interested enough, I said, okay, we have enough interest. People are going to go ahead and support a museum. If I didn't feel there was enough people who was going to support it, I wasn't going to do it. So that's what I did. I felt there was enough interest to support a museum. So we went full forward with the museum, became a nonprofit. And then uh, we did a lot of, before we even got our place, we did Hall of Fame ceremonies. We did special events. We did SeaWorld, all these places. We had exhibits and demonstrations and everything spearheaded by the museum. You know what I mean? Even though we didn't have a place yet. So we had all these functions for the museum. So once we felt we had enough uh, money and everything saved up, we opened the museum in 2006 in the city of Santa Clarita and then relocated it to here in Burbank in 2010. So long story short, I started because I didn't feel our history was being saved. Nobody was doing it. Nobody was going to do it. And I, could, I can tell you that right now, without a doubt, there's never going to be another museum. I can tell you that. And it's, it's just you need to be more open minded. You know, you can't be one style is better than the other. That sure, as, sure. As, as a writer, it gave me that more focus, you know, that more vision. I got to see Taekwondo. I did articles on Taekwondo. I did articles on, you know, Hapkido. I did articles on everything. You know, so I got, was more rounded. And besides, I took karate, so I know who Joe Lewis was and the blood and guts era. So this it made me more open and more, um, how you say, um, broad-minded for the martial arts. And that's what it needed. The museum couldn't be so, about someone. And then it's not about me. You know, I'm not in the museum. You know, my picture's not all over the place. So it's, it's to look at our history and, and I was there for so much of that history. I remember the internationals. I was a judge there. I remember, you know, these guys when they just started who are nobodies. I remember Bruce Lee when he was alive. You know, I remember all these guys. So to have all that history that even though it's not that old here behind me, you know, and, and part of me, uh, I thought it was uh, the best way to keep that history alive was to do a museum. So that's, that's it in a quick nutshell. Instead cool. of talking about it for four hours, which I, could, <laughs> I just crammed it in a nutshell. But that's why I started the museum. It sounds like you physically are the museum yourself, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. You get to see these guys when they first start. Like when someone comes over to the muse museum and he says, oh, I did, uh, um, you know, Filipino martial arts. I said, oh, who did you study with? Oh, so-and-so. Oh, who did he study with? Oh, so-and-so. And who did he study with? Oh, that person I know. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to pull something on me when, when you don't link it to the guy, you know? Uh, you, are, you are as OG as it gets in terms of martial arts history. <laughs> That's great. No, um, so, 
but now with all of that stuff going on uh, for as long as you were putting this whole thing together, there had to be some things that along the way made you stop and say, you know, this is probably not a good idea. What were some of those things? <laughs> you know, since day one, I have never had one doubt that the museum would be a success. Come never on, doubted once. come on. Not never one. doubted once. No. Nope. Wow. That's you impressive. Know, I, I knew this was going to work. I knew it's going to happen and I know where it's going to grow to. And I knew I looked at the full potential and, and we're almost at that full potential, which I'm very glad and we'll never reach the end, but uh, we're getting to that next big, uh, how you say when you jump from one milestone to the next, we're continuing jumping. We've had a lot of stuff in the way. You know, we've had uh, some people that hate us, uh, didn't want us to succeed uh, because they weren't in it, because it wasn't about them. You know, that's they and it wasn't about them. They, they tell people about us and all this. They don't support them, you know, because they're this and that, which is not true. I do my best to be truthful about everything because, you know, you got to, if you lie, you got to cover it up. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I, I do my best to keep this as accurate as possible. Um, you know, knowing these guys since they came to America, it, it helps you in your research because you know where to go to to find the information. And, and, and you know, when, when some guy's just blowing, you know, uh, information away, oh, I know so and so, or, the, you know, you know, whether it's true or not. But, you know, we've had some pitfalls, you know, we've had some times uh, I've, I've been very depressed about it, you know, many times very depressed about it, but I've never lost hope. I've never lost hope once. And I always knew it was, it was going to be a reality. I remember working with Richard Alarcon, the senator, and he says, you must be the, the, the most persistent guy I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Richard, we're not going to fail. It's not going to fail. This is going to succeed, period. You know, there's, there is no way in the world that we are going to fail. It's going to happen, and people are going to be behind it, and it's going to get huge. It's going to get gigantic. And, and I've never had one doubt in my mind that it wasn't going to work. I've been frustrated. You know, you get frustrated, like, you know, you hope the big guys come on, the movie stars, you know, like uh, Chuck Norris and Jackie Chan and all those guys. And you're hoping they'll they'll come on board. But I've always felt, you know, they're never going to come on board. And I've always if they come on board, great, you know, but I'm not going to get disappointed you know, heavily disappointed, of course, disappointed, but not heavily disappointed. They're not giving us any money. They're not coming to the museum and they haven't, you know, they've written me letters of congratulations. And, <laughs> you know, I've got Chuck Norris's letter, Jackie Chan's letter, everybody's letter, Jean-Claude Van Damme's letter, congratulations, we're behind you. But uh, none of them has any, ever given any money. And, you know, it's just kind of disappointing. You know, what can I tell you? But I've never depended on it. You know what I mean? So I haven't been that disappointed. It's been all the volunteers, everybody, those regular school owners, the someone who will never be in the museum who's been behind us and helped us along the way. So um, I have to say, I, I, you know, I've been disappointed for, you know, obvious things that didn't work out or whatever, or people say they're going to give us money. You know, you don't know how many times they've said that. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of money to donate to the museum and they never do. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't worry about it because uh, I, I don't think they're going to do it. 
But when they do, I'm so happily surprised. So sure. <laughs> I rejoice in it. So, but but in the end, uh, I I always knew it was going to happen, and and here we are. You know, I always knew it was going to happen, and I just never doubted once that it was going to succeed, and it's going to succeed even more in the next few years. It has to be some of that martial arts training that's giving you that focus. Yeah, you know, it's kung fu. You know. <laughs> Kung Fu, I, I have to say this about Kung Fu. I've taken, you know, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Karate, and all that. And Kung Fu, you know, it's a way of life. Kung Fu, it's part of you. It's not just a martial arts. It's part of you. You know, you, you breathe it. It's, it's, it's part of your decision-making, shall we say. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, part of yeah. your soul. Sure. And you don't lose it. Even if you get 80 years old, you can still do it. Not as good, but you can still do it. You still have the moves. It's still part of you, and it's still fun to do. So Kung Fu is a way of life. It's not just a martial arts. It's part of you, you know, and that's what I think that Kung Fu spirit in me has continued to make the, this place grow and, and flourish and more people come and enjoy it and all that. That's cool. Now, speaking of that, martial arts means something different to everybody, right? For some, it's exercise for the body and the soul. For others, it's, it's purely entertainment. How does the Martial Arts History Museum present martial arts to the general public? Ah, excellent question. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> you know, um, there, we had to go through a lot of decision-making process, uh, and that's why when we took it on the road, uh, helped us make our decision. Um, you know, I had to do research on the size of type, the length of how much people will read, you know, on the captions and all that. You know, what would they all read? And I had to experiment, and the way I experiment was at our exhibits. We had a thousand square foot exhibit at each place, and I had to groom it to different different things. The worst one was a who's who. Uh, we had pictures of Bill Wallace. We had pictures of Steve Saunders. We had pictures of uh, Jean LeBeau and all that. And it was all about them, and nobody cared. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Nobody paid attention. You know, we know them, you know them, I mm -hmm. know them, but they don't know them. And, right. and because they couldn't relate, they yeah. couldn't care less. And that was a big eye-opener. So, you know, I, what I had to do is figure out what people wanted, doing surveys and all this, which I went to school for, survey and all that. And, and what I found was the people like the history of it. They like where it came from, how it started, and the impact it made on America. And that's what we geared the museum. It's a look at each country, China, Japan, Korea, the Philippines, Thailand, and so on. And what the martial arts did and how it started in each of those countries, how it reshaped those countries from the Boxer Rebellion to the Shaolin Temple and all that. And then how that came to America and changed America, our movies, our way of fighting, our, you know, our feng shui, our music. You know, all that became a positive influence on American history. And that's what the museum does. It shows you the history of uh, samurai and how it started and the importance of art and music and culture in the samurai and the Chinese lions and what that represents the Kung Fu artists do. So people learn about the lion dancing and the samurai, you know, and, and uh, Filipino dancing and how that was part of martial arts and then how that came to America and changed us. And that's what the museum is about our history, and that way people can relate to it. Oh, that's where Kung Fu came from. Oh, I study Taekwondo, Kensu, Korea. You know what I mean? You'd be surprised. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the museum is about. And because of it, 
people who come don't even do martial arts and they really enjoy it. And that's, that's what's made us a success. I know people have tried to do who's who and stuff like that, but failed very quickly on it. And, uh, but it, you know, of course we have figures in here. You got to have figures, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Bruce Lee and, you know, Fumio Demore and all, you got to have those guys, history makers, you know what I mean? Right. People that won't, you can't argue with that made history, you know, and uh, we have that in here. But it, it, it's relatable. You know, James Bond had a ninja in his movies. Yep. You know what I mean? First anime had martial arts and all this stuff like that. So it's relatable from the youngest kid to the oldest adult to who sees James Cagney when they remember doing jujitsu and judo, you know, right, right, pictures right. of James Cagney. <laughs> so they see anime Wong. They see all of this. So everybody can relate to it every age. So that's what the museum is about. It's about culture. It's about history and the impact on America and how it changed our history. And that's what it's about, really, in a nutshell. That's Yeah, that's got to be some fascinating stuff. Now, for, for those of us who do enjoy the who's who's, the museum has this huge star-studded event coming this August called the Dragonfest Expo. Tell me about that. Yeah, Dragon Fest is a cool event. And, you know, there there are, of course, figures here in the museum. You know, we have Cynthia Rothrock, uh, what she did, a milestone that she did in America, and Benny Ukitas. We have his belt here, championship belt. And we have all that stuff here, which is great, because that's how it became part of American history. So there is who's who, but it's 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 the main icons that changed everything, you know. So, uh, but they are always, you know, these guys are here to help all the time. Cynthia's here all the time. Don Wilson's here. You know, our Camacho, Fumio Demura, Takabota. Everybody is here all the time. And that's the one thing, before I go on to Dragon Fest, that's the one thing about the museum that really makes it special. It's not about what style. It's about us coming together you know, to appreciate the martial arts. So that's why everybody, you name it, has come to the museum and, uh, you know, fit in with the museum and people enjoy them be there and they enjoy being at the museum and help support us with seminars and workshops. You know, it's all for the community. It's not, it's not about me. It's all for the community. And that's what it's about. So that's why people will enjoy it. Now going on to Dragon Fest. <laughs> Uh, Dragon Fest is a very unique expo. Uh, it was started years ago by Gerardo Komora, who is uh, mostly famed from Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. He's the bald-headed guy with a goatee. Very, <laughs> very cool guy. He does Kung Fu Sansu. And uh, he started it uh, many years ago and in a little room, and there was like three or four tables, and that was it. <laughs> Humble Fest. beginnings. Yeah. And then it, 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 it continued to grow and, and get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then when it got pretty big, um, I started handling the website for them and uh, dragonfest.com. And I started making the website for them and they got to the Glendale Civic Auditorium and it got a pretty good amount. You know, not a huge, maybe like 1,500 people or so. And they had uh, everybody there, you name it, you know, they had all had tables and it was like a, a reunion. You know, people hadn't seen each other in 20, 30 years, all came to Dragon Fest. So it was a really hot time. Everybody had a lot of fun. I was there for the last, what, uh, six, seven years that they had it. And uh, they only had it for nine years. After nine years, they decided to fold it up and the economy was doing bad. And I guess they just didn't want to do it anymore. And it was dormant for 10 years. And everybody started bugging me 
You got the museum has to pick up dragon fish. You got to pick up dragon fish. You know, <laughs> you have to. And uh, after they finally convinced me, I said, okay, we'll do it. So I contacted Gerald Kamora and I said, Gerald, what do you think? Is it okay if I, if the museum handles Dragon Fest? And he goes, it's yours. You have my blessing. It's in your hands now. <laughs> and I said, great. So we restarted Dragon Fest five years ago and uh, it's just picked up where it left off. Everybody who was there before 20 years ago, whatever, they all flew in. You know, they all came back and it has been growing. We're now close to 3000 people. It has been growing every year. We have to keep getting a larger and larger location. Uh, this year, it's our biggest location and everybody's there. You know, we don't focus it on just celebrities and stars, even though there are a lot there. You know, we focus it on helping the museum. To because all the funds go to the museum 100%, nothing goes to me or anybody to get our larger place. So, everything is helping the museum. So, everybody knows that when they come in and they all get tables and everybody volunteers their time. We don't pay anybody. And they all, you know, Michael Jai White gives up his time. Uh, this year, Eric Roberts is giving up his time. So, all these celebrities come. So, we got a tons of celebrities from the Karate Kid. We had the we had the whole cast of Cobra Kai there. We've had Big Trouble in Little China. We had this year. We're having most of the best of the best this year. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know they're all coming to help out and you know donate their time and have tables there. And it's, it has been a blast. And it has become the most popular convention. You know, I know there are other conventions out there, and they're great, and that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, great for them. But this is, uh, you know, it goes in their pocket. This goes all to the museum. It's a donation to the museum to get our larger location. And they all understand that, and people attend, you know, and help us out because of that. And that's why we get a lot of stars and celebrities. You know, they really enjoy being part of the museum and helping us out. And we just keep growing every year. I can't wait till we challenge Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're going to be there sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. You know, this year it's a two-day event. It's uh, One day is uh, the expo. All the booths, 150 booths this year. We had 100 last year. Now we had 150. And the second day is all seminars. Betty Ukidis is teaching, uh, you know, all these guys that uh, Don Wilson is teaching, uh, you know, uh, all these great guys are out there teaching uh, the seminars and working out. So it's a two day, two day event this year. And uh, uh, the city of Burbank has been very generous to help us out this year. The first time they're doing that and other companies are helping us out this year. So it's been a real blessing to have them aboard. So Dragon Fest is just a blast. It's, it's, it's a kind of place that you go into at 10 a.m. and you stay the whole day. Oh, well, You know what course. I mean? You, you don't want to leave. <laughs> no, why you would know? you want to? <laughs> I know. Everybody's there. You know, you say, my God, that's Fumio Demora. You know, or my God, that's so-and-so. You know, they're all there. You meet them up close. You hang out and talk with them, you know, and it's a lot of fun and people just hang out for the entire day. It's that kind of convention. You know, it's like Comic-Con. You're going to stay there the whole time. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, is so cool about my martial arts training so far is that sense of camaraderie that you build with your fellow students. Uh, and that, from what you're telling me, it seems like that just goes and grows throughout the lifetime of martial arts uh, practicing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, especially Kung Fu. Especially Kung Fu is that everybody is there at the school to make you better. 
They're there to help you out to get you catch up to them. You know, they want you to improve on your forms and do all this. So everybody's there, especially in Kung Fu, to help you out. And the museum carries that same thing. Now, to be able to, yeah, to be able to learn from the likes of Benny Arquidez and Don Wilson and Michael Jai White, that's got to be pretty awesome for attendees. Oh, yeah, it's a great thing. And these are very generous guys to do this for us. And I, I really, truly appreciate it, you know. But in the end, you know, it's the bigger picture. It's it's keeping the legacy of the martial arts alive. Mm. And I can say without a doubt, without this museum, I can tell you without this museum, everything that these guys did, the sacrifices of people that came over from uh, China or Japan that sacrificed and came to America and faced prejudice and racism, yet they still brought their art. You know, Bong Shuhan, all these guys brought their art to America. And without this museum, everything they did, their history is going to be gone. Nobody's going to remember them. You know, the sacrifices they did, they're not going to be remembered, period. I mean, who, who, how many people, you know, uh, remember if you're in the Hollywood, you don't remember some of the early anime Wong. Who remembers anime Wong? Right, right. You know, these, these great pioneers who persevered and really brought the art so we can enjoy it, uh, you know, are going to be, their history is going to be gone. So that's why I thought it's important to do the museum and to do Dragon Fest, you know, to keep that history alive. And that's that's what's important. Yeah. Now, speaking of history, just a, an aside, uh, one of the cool things about doing this show is learning about all kinds of different types of martial arts. And one that I just learned about that I didn't even know existed was Bokatao from Cambodia. Are you familiar? You know, I've heard of every art, you know. <laughs> people think I, I know everything or everything about the martial <laughs> arts. They said, Oh, this is so-and-so. I read the other day I bumped into this guy and said, this is, this is so-and-so. And I said, okay. He goes, don't you know him? He's the director of this Shaw brothers movie. <laughs> and I said, guy, I don't know everybody. <laughs> you know? I don't know about I know, that, but okay. <laughs> I, I said, I know a lot of people more than most. I really do, but I don't know everything. I do my best. <laughs> I really do. But I depend on people, you know, that I know very well who yeah. know these arts. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't know that art, but I am, I've heard of it. I am a little bit familiar, but not that familiar with it. I, I only know about it because uh, a, a guest of mine, a recent guest of mine, Jean-Paul Lee, did a movie that focused on the, that particular art. It showcased the Cambodian art of Bokatao, which apparently somewhere on the line was uh, part of the genesis of Muay Thai. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but very cool stuff. But th that's the kind of thing that I think uh, is so cool about the history of martial arts it's 2018 and i'm being exposed to a martial arts that's been around for centuries now oh yeah yeah it's very cool huh <laughs> but back to dragon fest where and when is this all this happening uh dragon fest is uh this year it's august the 25th and 26th uh at the pickwick gardens conference center in burbank so we again we move it uh for different factors because we keep growing that's one of the reasons we move it. And, and these places like the Pickwick Gardens has been very generous to us because we're a nonprofit and they really help us out. So that's what we're having at the Pickwick Gardens in, in Burbank, uh, August the 25th and 26th. Uh, we're having the expo, which is the booths, you know, tables and the performances on stage. And that's on the 25th Saturday. 
And the 26th is there's no booths. It's just workouts, you know, workouts all day long. And uh, that was to be at the same place. And, you know, and one thing I want to point out um, this year, and we're going to do it for every year from now on, all the kids for the expo, 17 and under, kids 17 and under will be free. Oh, fantastic. We want, we're doing this because so many of these great pioneers are dying. You know, Bill Ruizaki was a very close friend of mine. You know, uh, Frank Trejo. All these guys who had booths at Dragon Fest or Richard Bustillo was planning to have a booth, same thing as, as uh, Frank Trejo, were planning to have booths at Dragon Fest or had booths at Dragon Fest have all passed away. Mm. So while they're still here, yeah. I want these kids to go into Dragon Fist and meet these pioneers. That's great. You know, meet them up close. Get to know your roots, guys. You know, that way you say you can meet them. So 17 and under will be free to Dragon Fest uh, just on Saturday. On Sunday, it's just workouts for adults. You know, no kids on that. <laughs> and uh, Well, you know, we want them sure. to focus on the, the adults, you know, people who, you know, are more into it. And then uh, – Active military. If you have an ID card and you're actively serving, I wish I could offer veterans, but if I offer veterans, <laughs> we'd take up most of Dragon Fest. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, active military will be free to both days. You know, it's the least we can do for those who are protecting us. And uh, all active military will be free to Dragon Fest for both the expo and the workout. So we're, we're inviting them to be part of this. Awesome. So where can my audience go to get tickets? Uh, they can go to dragonfest.com, dragonfest.com, and you can buy your tickets online. It's all tax deductible because we are a nonprofit, and uh, that way you can take it off your taxes. And uh, also, if you want to go to the museum's website, it's at mamuseum.com to learn about the museum and uh, learn what we're doing. And uh, that'll have a link also to Dragonfest. I also encourage people to uh, look at our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. I'm still pretty new to that. And then uh, just to, to throw it out there real quickly, uh, Cynthia Rothrock has a YouTube channel called Cynthia Rothrock Channel. And her and I formed a corporation together just recently. And we are promoting her channel. And the, through the channel, whatever funds she gets, she's giving a portion to the museum. So that's very generous of her. Very cool. Uh, and you'll have to give me that link and I will put that in the show notes as well as the links to get tickets and to get information about the museum. So all my listeners go to the show notes for that. And um, a, a trick question here, uh, Michael, if you had to include a podcast in the Martial Arts History Museum, what would it be? Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. There you go. What better name? The Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. How cool is that? Awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, what then is next uh in the immediate future for the museum's plans? Well, the museum, there's a lot of great things happening. We do events here at the museum twice a month. We usually honor somebody, which is a very fun event to do. Uh, we have demonstrations here. We have performances here. We have a, a sushi workshop where the guys will make sushi <laughs> and give it out. We very have cool. samurai sword history. We have uh, movie premieres here at the museum, even though we're not a large, large place. We're, uh, uh, we have all that stuff happening. We have tours for the kids. Uh, we work a lot with Alzheimer and dementia 
people that come in and we do a special tour for them. Uh, we work a lot with the Japanese and other elderly, the senior centers all the time with Make-A-Wish Foundation. We do our best to be part of this community, not just be a museum. We need to be a definite part of the community making a difference in people's lives, blood drives and all that stuff. But uh, the future of the museum is we're trying to get a bigger location. Uh, we do all our events and stuff in a canopy parking lot in the back. When it gets hot, it's hot. <laughs> when it gets cold, it's freezing. <laughs> so we are doing our best now to get a larger location, an 8,000 square foot location right down the street. And we are doing a lot of fundraising. We're really kicking it off, especially this year. And we've just got a few grants in because we're a nonprofit. We're working on more and more grants and trying to get the funding to relocate us to the bigger place. That way we'll have a big theater, at least 150 seat theater. We'll have a huge area for exhibits. And that's that I think is very important because even though we have exhibits, you know, on different countries and the different areas and different styles, you know, things of China, genes of Japan and so and so, I would like to have a nice area for exhibits. That way we can change it every month. Let's say the Kempo guys of the 70s will have their uniforms and their pictures there for a month or the Krav Maga guys or the the pioneers of, you know, Shotokan of the early 60s or the 442nd, you know, their uniforms. You know what I mean? We can interchange yeah. it. That way, everybody has a chance to be in the museum. You know what I mean? We can uh, po even Pokemon, you know, <laughs> we can put a, all that stuff, the anime, you know, the anime artists. And, and by the way, we have a lot of anime artists at the at the uh, Dragon Fest because I'm an artist myself. So we bring a lot of people from, you know, anime, Nickelodeon, uh, all that places, uh, The Simpsons, you name it. So my, my goal is to have a nice big exhibit area where we can change it every month and focus on that and give everybody an opportunity to be part of the museum, even just for a month, they'll be part of the museum. And I think that's very nice to have. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to raise money. You know, there are over 50,000 schools, martial arts schools in America alone, not even counting the rest of, you know, there's garage schools, there's home schools, there's YMCA schools, there's park schools, you name it. If every one of them just one time gave $100 to the museum. That's it. One time, we'd be able to move into the new location next month that quick. Wow. So it's up through broadcasts like this to let people know there's a museum. It's a museum that people enjoy, that's not about a particular style. It's about something. It's giving back to the martial arts. And we need a museum. We need a museum to keep our history alive. Without it, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be alive. You know, nobody's gonna remember these guys. You know, nobody's gonna remember Bong Su Han in 20, 30 years. So let's all get together, guys. Let's all be part. We're all part of this big family. So let's all contribute to the museum. Make a tax deductible donation and help us get our new location very soon. And boy, we're gonna do a lot more stuff there. Movie premieres with. For Kung Fu Panda, imagine that. Disney will rent it out. You know, Kill Bill, the new Kill Bill will yeah. be a movie red carpet there, right there. How cool is that? So, you know, it would be a great place to have dinners, events, you know, bout testing, whatever. You know, even seminars and workshops. What better place to have a seminar than at the museum, <laughs> you yeah, know? that's great. There's something about a museum 
that that makes things history come alive. You know, if I may steal that from uh, a night at the museum, it makes it come alive. So that's great plans for the museum and go as far as you can see. And then when you get there, go further. So same thing with the museum. It's a never ending process and we can only build on it and make it better and better. And uh, I really love doing it. I have to say that in the end, this has been a journey. It's not been an easy journey. It's been a very difficult journey. I've given up my home, my livelihood, sold my home, everything for this. I really believe in this. But people always ask me, I hope I'm not taking too much time, but people always ask me, what's your favorite thing in the museum? And I said, my favorite thing is the journey. Why? Because along this way, I have met so many great people, people who, you know, regular martial art guys, school owners, people that have continued to give of their time to help out the museum, to give us a few dollars, to buy some water for us, to help us tear down and set up. I have met these wonderful people along the way that I would have never been able to if I didn't have the museum. So it is these friendships, this wonderful, wonderful journey that makes it all worthwhile. What a fantastic story. An inspiring, uh, worthy, and noble cause. I know my audience uh, would be very receptive to something like this. This is what it's all about. For those of us who grew up idolizing kung fu movie stars, uh, it isn't just about the face on the screen. It's about the history of the art that they're showing on screen and where that all came from. Uh, the countries, the people, the customs, and all that stuff. It's all there at the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank, California. So to all my California listeners, get out there. I wish I could just hop on a plane and head out there myself. But <laughs> as soon as I can, uh, I will definitely be there uh, just to immerse myself in the history of the martial arts that has meant so much to me for, for so many years of my life. So best of luck to you, Michael. Uh, it's a fantastic endeavor, and I wish the museum the best of luck. Hopefully it grows faster than you can handle and uh, it, it just gets bigger and better. And uh, Dragon Fest will be happening August 25th and 26th in California. So anybody that can get there, get out there and throw yourself fully into the history of martial arts. And uh, Michael, again, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to everything that the museum will be doing and best of luck to you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm very honored. Thank you very much. Big thanks to Michael Matsuda for chatting with me and going over the history and the vision of the Martial Arts History Museum. For those of you out in California in the Burbank area, the museum is located at 2319 West Magnolia Boulevard, Burbank, California. So go pay the place a visit and get yourself some history. You can check out the museum's offerings and events online at mamuseum.com. And if you have the means, head over to the membership tab and join up or click the donations link to make a tax-deductible contribution to the museum to help you keep growing. Also, don't forget Dragonfest Expo going on August 25th and 26th at Burbank's Pickwick Gardens with guests like Michael Jai White, Benny the Jetter Kidez, Cynthia Rothrock, and so much more. Go to dragonfest.com to find out more information and get your tickets. And if you do go, send me some pictures so I can share it on all my socials. You can find me on all the socials as well. And if you swing by Twitter, don't forget to follow my buddies over at the Castaways hashtag. There's some big things coming out of that small little collective of cuckoo, so go check them out. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. The 2018 UASE will take place Saturday, November 10th at AMC Theaters Times Square, featuring five theaters with over 60 hours of action content from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m.
That's right, Action Junkies. We're having a 14-hour action film megathon showcasing the latest indie action film content and continuing last year's launch of Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, featuring Shaw Brothers Kung Fu Classics and honoring the 40th anniversary of Five Daily Venice. Please join the Urban Action Showcase Diversity and Action Initiative, celebrating the past, present, and future multicultural achievements in the blockbuster action genre. As a platform, we advocate diversity and inclusion through our International Action Film Festival, Action Expo, and Action Film Awards platform to promote multicultural heroic energy in order to change the dynamic of mainstream media. invite you to be a part of the action by pre-purchasing a 2018 event pass for yourself or a friend. Master, Sanjay is finished. We can attack the city. Mm. Poison clan rocks the world. On the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the lands Yeah, the little bit soldier is old Otherwise, he wants a world of peace Because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks Guaranteed to graze jars Fight for the cars Then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks Will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewel's here David is coming back The Tai Chi master Jelly's even faster The channel little drink because he is the drunken master once upon a time in china rosamund kwan is real fine but see maggie show his spine golden swallow has arrived shang chi movies will the hero will survive we've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain gonna fight may as well pick the spot yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back we've got lam ching ying to kill them all to so stand back he plays the black magic on the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors yeah wing chun shaolin the man is style yeah defeat the enemy me and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, many for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, many for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slash and blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the walls, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spill When you head into a war, fearless Unleashed The fist of legend that the car jet leave 
from Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, many of us are action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm To smash the place up with a dragon cross We're walking to the tea house, many of us are action Drink a little wine